Welcome to the Magic Pisces Podcast. Before the ayahuasca. Check Magic Pisces Podcast. December 15th, 2022. How'd your 20 who how'd your uh, 2022 go? Have you taken a look at your year? Did you have a good year? Did you have a bad year? Is there anything you could have done better? Is there anything you could have done differently? Is there anything that you regret? Is there anything to clean up with anyone? I'm still, I'm still beating. It's it's so funny. I have a friend, Greg, loyal listener to the Magic Pisces podcast, who talks about like everyone is entranced always by something. And so I was looking back. <clears throat> excuse me to 2020. So the Magic Pisces podcast was officially, I believe, technically at least, released uh, right at the end of 2019. So 2019 subsequent with COVID-19. And as I've said before, I did not expect a global pandemic to break out like two or three months whenever that was after I started the podcast and I, I had absolutely zero, absolutely positively zero intention of all of the sudden aligning myself with, for lack of a better term, right, the, the right wing. I had absolutely no intention whatsoever. Like that was like the furthest thing from my radar it was like the the furthest thing possible or <laughs> the the furthest it, it was the thing that i was the least intentional about it wasn't like i'm going to start this magic pisces podcast and i'm going to start ripping on the media and i'm going to start calling dr fauci a fascist murderer and and i'm going to start listening to ben shapiro and <laughs> summarizing his podcast in this podcast like that was just not how I imagined it going and then that's kind of how it went and it's funny because back to my friend Greg I became entranced now my opinions of that entire debacle aside I could have expressed some of the things that I expressed during that period particularly you know, April, May, June, July, August of 2020, I could have expressed a lot of the things that I expressed quite differently. And I'm quite remorseful, but I was entranced. I was caught up in the world of the ego. And my, you know, the ego, the ego wants to be right. The, the ego wants to alienate people from it. The, the ego wants division. The ego is reptilian. I've said all these things before. But I, I, I was so entranced that I didn't even realize how haughty and righteous I had become. Is that the right word, haughty? That I become haughty? Perhaps. But ultimately, I'm seeking the truth, and I'm still seeking the truth. And I kind of, I've mentioned this before, but I sort of weaponized the work of David Hawkins. And, you know, people are just doing their best. And so I'm trying to, for 2023 moving forward, to just keep, I don't want to say keep it light, but, you know, stay away from that. Incidentally, I will also be going through the queue of 20. 20, 20, 2021 episodes and removing those that I don't want people to get a hold of as my book is 
slated for release. And um, I don't want anybody digging up any of that material. Because you never know. The book might do something. You never know. So speaking of the book, the book that I've been working on for at least 10 years has, it's in its final stages. It's in the late, late, late stages of editing. Editing is a bitch. I've been editing for close to a year, probably like nine months, but the whole thing is like, it's almost, it's almost there. I have a small publishing company that's going to release it. Um, I will be responsible for the majority of the marketing, I'm assuming I will probably do the majority of the marketing through podcasting, through other people's podcasts, reaching out to other people who have podcasts and sending them a little, it's called a media one, media one kit, or it's like a media, media one sheet, media sheet, and then like a little PDF with some excerpts from the book on it and just plan on getting on other people's podcasts, podcasts and marketing the book that way. And I also have, and then I will also be, I, I think I'm going to do this. If any of you have any opinions on this, please let me know. But I'm thinking about having a podcast where it's basically, it'll be basically be an annotated podcast where I'm reading through the book one chapter at a time and then offering a, uh, like a deeper, a deeper um, analysis of some of the stories because the whole book is just told in stories and when you're writing a book or you're writing a memoir or um, yeah when you're writing something where you're trying to paint pictures in the minds of the reader you don't want to get caught up with explaining and telling people you want to show them so you want the story to show itself but I mean if I were to start I mean I could fill up an entire book of footnotes you know, I, I could have so there there could be so many footnotes in the book that that would take up the space in another book or that would take up another book's worth of space. So what I think I'm going to do is have like an annotated um, podcast where I'm reading through and then I'm, I'm explaining things at a deeper level. For instance, things um, regarding my inner child and decisions that my inner child made about life and um, offering almost like a psychological take on things, almost like a therapeutic take on things. And I don't know if the purpose of it is to get to root causes of addiction. Perhaps perhaps that's a piece of it. That's not the specific intention. But there are, I do believe that there are root causes of addiction. Now, I also believe that I was born freaking crazy. I believe that I was born perhaps with something akin to a borderline personality or at some point in my early child development, some sort of switch flicked and I just <laughs> became the emotionally volatile person who I'm still prone to be. People think I'm all mellow. No. Yeah, I'm mellow up to a point, but as I mentioned, them dogs next door start barking and I turn into a psychotic raging beast. Anyway, uh, chipping away at that part, chipping away at that crazy part. So any, anyway, my, my point is that um, I think that through narrating the book myself, reading the book myself, and then offering deeper insights as to what was going on with me in this horrific battle I ended up fighting, um, that that can support others in, in understanding deeper aspects of themselves and those that they love. So watch out for that one. I'm not sure what the book is titled, entitled yet. 
Um, but I have the I have the author picks. I have uh, the person who's going to make the landing page. I have the I have it's all it's all ready to go. And I finally I finally after starting I think this is this is my third podcast, and then I'll be starting two more. I I finally can just start a podcast easily. It's very tricky to start a podcast. So many people want to start podcasts, and they're like, "Okay, great, I'm going to do it." And then they like Google how to start a podcast, and there's like this litany of things that are just a pain in the ass that nobody can seem to figure out. Well, not not nobody, but um, a lot of people don't know where to go once they bump into those little roadblocks. And I finally have the whole thing dialed, so I just want to start as many as possible. So keep a lookout for that. I'll be keeping you posted on when that is released. And then I'm also started or I have started, technically released episode one of the Course in Miracles podcast where I'm just reading through all 365 daily lessons of the course. I already have 20 of them synced up and ready to drop at 5 o'clock a.m. beginning January 2nd. Technically, the first, episode, uh, the first, the first lesson is up, um, but I will officially release that like on Facebook or Instagram or whatever on the first, and then it's all synced up to the episodes will be released at 5 o'clock a.m. on the, the days because there's 365 daily lessons. So I am gaining a much deeper and more thorough understanding of A Course in Miracles as the result of ministering. I believe that's what you would call that. Um, one of the lessons is I am among the ministers of God. So I guess that's exactly what it's doing. It's it'll be my ministry podcast, and I have not um, I'm not swearing on it. I think I said bullshit once, but I'm really trying to honor the spiritual essence of the course by not dropping f bombs left and right. I do um, you know refer back to this podcast, so I'll say, hey, if you like this podcast and you'd like to hear the more unfiltered version, go check out the Magic Pisces podcast. So really good stuff coming down the pike. Is, that a, is it pike or pipe? I don't know. Anyway, hope uh, you guys have had a great year and are planning 2023 accordingly. I have a goal for 2023 to clean up my use of language, to stop stop bearing false witness. I'm, a re- I'm really good at talking about people. I'm really good at gossiping. I'm really good at pointing my finger at people, and but not talking directly to them, talking to someone else about them. And, and I'm really good at being an expert on their life. So I'm going to stop that because that's what I didn't even know this. Like one of the Ten Commandments is uh, thou shall not bear false witness, which basically means you shouldn't talk shit about people. One of God's commandments is not to talk shit about people. Go figure. The Ten Fucking Commandments. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not talk shit. And then, you know, don't lie or cheat or steal or whatever the other six or seven are. But I had no idea that, like, I, I've, I never had an awareness around the fact that I bear a lot of false witness. I talk a lot of shit. And to come back to or to refer to Don Miguel Ruiz, the four agreements, right, I believe it is this, the first agreement is to be impeccable with your word. And he talks about the absolute lowest form of communication between one person and another person is gossip. Gossip is, it's, it's just bad. It's just energetically, it's very bad. And typically when you're gossiping and you're, you're pointing out 
uh, someone else's faults while um, you are then in turn ignoring your own. So that's one of my goals for 2023 is to stop bearing false witness. So I got 16 days left to talk as much shit as I possibly can. We live in a society where people are just talking shit about each other all over the place. So um, all sorts of um, good stuff going on over here. I've been, I've been reading the autobi. I've been reading like five or six books. I'm, I've finally um, made peace with the fact that I read five or six books at a time and, and decided that reading five or six books at a time and reading two or three pages per night per book is way better than like flipping through YouTube channels or flipping through TV channels. You're, you're actually reading instead of staring at something. So I've been reading, I, I picked up the autobiography of Frederick Douglass, My Bondage, My Freedom. And I had initially gotten it during COVID, during the COVID period with the, the George Floyd stuff. And what a, what a brilliant writer. And I think I talked about this in one of my episodes. But one of the things that he, he repeatedly refers to is not only like the the evil of slavery like sleeve like here's this thing that i underlined um food to the indolent lounger is poison not sustenance so basically what he's talking about is like fat old fat fucking rednecks sitting around in the plantation you know whipping slaves and eating everything in sight like just gluttony to the nth degree um so basically he says so before that, he says, the poor slave on his hard pine plank, but scantily covered with his thin blanket, sleeps more soundly than the feverish voluptuary who reclines upon his feather bed and downy pillow. Food to the indolent lounger is poisoned, not sustenance. So in other words, like, if you're just a fat old redneck who wants to hang out and whip slaves all day, food is poisoned. You're slowly killing yourself. You're slowly killing yourself with your gluttony. Lurking beneath all their dishes are invisible spirits of evil, ready to feed the self-deluded gormandizers with aches, pains, fierce temper, uncontrolled passions, dyspepsia, rheumatism, lumbago, and gout. And of these, the Lloyds got their full share. The Lloyds are the family that owns the plantation that he's a slave on. So, to the pampered love of ease, to the pampered love of ease, there is no resting place. What is pleasant today is repulsive tomorrow. What is soft now is hard at another time. What is sweet in the morning is bitter in the evening. Neither to the wicked nor to the idler is there any solid peace. Troubled like a rep, troubled like a restless sea. He has an italics, which I believe that's a Bible verse, um, or uh, an allusion to something in the Bible, the King James version of the Bible, Isaiah fifty-seven verses twenty and twenty-one, to be specific. Speaking of footnotes, so basically, it's 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 think about like wrap your head around that. This guy's a slave, and he says he sleeps better than those fat fucking pieces of shit. Right, and and he also talks about how slate like slave owners, 
If, if you are a person who owns slaves, you are fundamentally tormented. And there's something about a, the, the concept of a person owning an other person, chattel slavery, human bondage, that is so evil that the person who is the perpetrator, like who is the slave owner, cannot escape it. So they're, they're basically, like, slave owners are basically haunted in their nightmares. And he knows this. And I'm only about a quarter of the way through the book, maybe not even, but Frederick Douglass is an, a brilliantly eloquent writer and one of the most, um, I mean, inspirational, is that the word? Inspirational people ever. I'm planning on diving into... Uh, Harriet Tubman. I want to know more about Harriet Tubman. I don't know if she wrote a book or not, but um, but I'm certain that there's um, that she is equally as fascinating, right? Running the Underground Railroad. Think if they caught her, what they would have done. Now, there is a verse in the Bible, slaves, be obedient to your owners. This is where the Bible, you know, the Bible... So much of the Bible is just like, fuck the Bible, right? <laughs> Slaves, be obedient to your owners. It's like, respect them with reverence. I can't remember the exact verse, but, you know. So Harriet Tubman was sinning against God. And I'm certain that there was some fucking redneck somewhere along the line that used that verse, if not some redneck, uh, legions of rednecks who used the verse in the Bible to justify the atrocious acts that they perpetrated on those that they owned. And you don't have to look very far to see the effects of slavery. Just drive down to the west side of Chicago or the south side of Chicago or go to south central Los Angeles, uh, go to Atlanta, and you can just see that these African-Americans once they were finally, quote, unquote, freed, right, they were not necessarily or particularly welcomed by whites in society. And so they settled in what are commonly, and you could argue derogatorily, referred to as ghettos. Ice Cube has a line, I believe it's in America KKK's Most Wanted. He goes, call my neighborhood a ghetto because it, ha- it, it houses minorities. And there was, I remember there was this black dude I was in a halfway house with years ago. And he was from the south side, like 63rd and Ashland or something. And he would, he would always say, don't call it the ghetto. It's not the ghetto. It's a community. I'm from a community. And he wasn't um, directing that towards me, but you know, people talk about the hood, and d- d- this is kind of a side tangent. But drug addicts are really funny because you know, if you haven't noticed, I will occasionally speak of those days um, in a glorification. Is that right? Is that the right word? Glorification, glorifying type of way. It's like the hood, or yo, I used to go down to the west side, and like you think you're kind of cool for that type of shit. I'd be like, yo, man, I go down to the ghetto, and. You know, heroin addicts are really funny in that they are, they're, they're really great at, I don't, I don't want to, they're not great. They enjoy glorifying the 
horrific nature of drug addiction. Like if you go to like rehab or if you're in detox or whatever, you hear like you'll hear the the drug addicts kind of like competing with another with one another, kind of like in the same way that like surfers might tell surfing stories, wave stories, or skaters might tell stories about tricks that they did or that they saw people do. You know, heroin addicts would be like, yo. Yo, I used to get this shit down at fucking Costner and Lake, and this shit was the bomb. And, like, one time I shot up, like, seven of them. And, man, then I got busted. I had to go through withdrawal and detox. And, man, that shit was ill. Like, and I've basically spoken exactly like that. So when, when, you've, when all that you have in your life is drugs and your entire identity is wrapped up in drugs, then, you know you're likely to figure out some way to brag about it. There's this really awful... Um, maybe we'll get back to Frederick Douglass and slavery, maybe we won't. I'm not sure. But there's this really awful... Di- there's this awful show on Vice. It's called Dope Sick Nation. <laughs> you can check it out on YouTube. Check out Dope Sick Nation. And there's these two... They're called junkie... Hun- the, the, the term is junkie hunters. And what a junkie hunter does is they basically go around looking for junkies, and they'll find, like, a junkie on the street, and they'll be like, hey, do you want to you go to rehab? And they'll hook up the junkie with a treatment facility, and then they get a, a kickback from the treatment facility who gets money from an insurance company. Basically, that's it. It's basically just a straight-up racket, right? So I don't know if the money comes directly from the insurance company to the junkie hunter or if the money goes from the insurance company to the um, the treatment facility and then they pay out the junkie hunter, but it's all about money. And there's something about, like, you can fish through the episodes of the show, Dope Sick Nation, at some point it explains it all, but there's some, there's, like, money in keeping people in rehab. So like if you go to if you're a, if you're junkie hunted and you're a junkie and you go into rehab and you piss in a cup and the it's the term is called dropping dirty if you drop dirty then then the the treatment facility gets paid from the insurance company. I believe you can fish through it again and find out but so this there's this so in other words like it's just like capitalism gone so wrong you know, but um, there's these two junkie hunters, and one of them's not even clean. His name's Frankie, and there's, like, something wrong with his jaw. Like, it's almost like his jaw got chopped off and, like, sewed back on or something. It's really weird. He's not even clean. He's, like, still taking Suboxone, and, like, but he's making all this money because he's doing this show for Vice. So he's, like, driving around in, like, a Lexus, like, smoking cigarettes, picking up junkies and trying to get them into rehab. And then there's this other chick. I think her name is Ashley. She's got blonde hair. And this is in, like, South Florida, right? So they're, like, cruising around trying to get junkies into rehab. And if they get a junkie into rehab, they get paid for it. And But the, they're junkies, right? So, like, you tell a junkie, hey, you want to go to rehab? And the junkie's all high. And he's like, sure, I'll go to rehab. And so then the junkie hunter's like, okay, well, meet me here in this park at noon tomorrow. And, and they're like, okay, cool, I'll meet you at noon tomorrow. And so then the junkie hunter has to figure out, like, they have to call all the treatment centers they know and find a bed for the junkie. And then they have to hope that the junkie actually meets them at, like, the park so that they can then get the junkie into detox. 
Um, talk about herding cats, right? So anyway, junkie hunting, uh, you know, of questionable, questionable integrity, of questionable ethics, and of questionable um, morality at, at best. But, you know, occasionally, like me, that one person um, gets, gets sober. But my, my point is, or part of the point of the story is that junkies are so funny because there's this, like, there's this, like, heroin chic sort of style. Like, if you go to a recovery gathering and, and the, the bus shows up from the treatment center and, and the junkies get out of the bus, so in other words, like, there'll be a bus um, full of junkies that show up at an outside recovery gathering, right? And they get off the bus and they've got, like, they've got, like, you know, the fa- like face piercings like the, you know like the the stud the the stud in like the cheek their fi- the facial <laughs> cheek piercing earring thing like smashed to their cheekbone and like tattoos and like they're all like heroin chic <laughs> it's really funny and um and you can tell that they've like dressed up sort of to go to the recovery gathering. And when they show up, the whole energy is just kind of like about them is off. Like, yeah, they might they might steal money from the the donation basket. They probably won't, but they might. I'm sure it's happened many, many times. So fun shit. So anyway, this was back back to the um the Frederick Douglass stuff. The the African Americans, right? They settled in these communities, and you don't have to look very far to see that slavery um, has potentially for this country have have this country will probably never heal entirely from the fact that people for hundreds of years, owned other people. And when they finally let them go, they weren't really free. And as I've said before, like, this is, this is the difference between me and a conservative. Like, I'm not, I, I talked about this in the Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre ep- episode that I released after the Super Bowl last year or this year. I, I fully... I believe Death Row Records was funded, or the first NWA record was funded in large part by Easy es crack selling. I'm pretty sure that the money for that album came from Easy e selling crack. I'm pretty sure that Jay-Z got his um, recording um, career off the ground with proceeds from crack sales, I believe. I could be wrong, and if I am wrong, um, you know, and it was, you know, like a multi-level marketing success that gave him the money to, um, which I, is that, could crack selling be considered multi-level marketing? Perhaps. But I believe that's how it got started, and I support that. I'm just like, fuck yeah. Now, I, I get that a lot of people ended up as crackheads and addicted to crack as a result, but, you know, 
I was kind of addicted to crack myself, and I got clean. And I will also tell you, the person that was responsible for getting himself addicted to heroin and crack and alcohol and whatever else was me. It was nobody else. It was not society. It was not economic conditions. It was, it was Dave. Dave got Dave's stupid ass addicted to drugs. Could I have had perhaps um, some some better guidance from my parents or teachers or adults or maybe from church or whatever? Of course I could have, but those were all my decisions. It was all my own damn fault. So I celebrate the American dream in whatever way that a person is able to, what's the word, demonstrate it, capitalize on it, whatever. Now, Frederick Douglass, he wrote this beautiful book, a gory book, gnarly book, disturbing book, but a beautiful book nonetheless. And, you know, he's an author and more power to him. I hope that he made a lot of money for writing such amazing literature. Um, but not everybody has that nobody even realizes that they have access to these types of choices most people do not have an empowered relationship to that which is possible and when we connect with spirit so i believe that this book my bondage my freedom by Fred, frederick douglas is was written in partnership with spirit and i believe that Someone who's extra as extraordinary as Harriet Tubman worked in partnership with spirit. Martin Luther King worked in partnership with spirit. And it's interesting because when I'm broadcasting, I can tell the moments when I'm with spirit and when I'm disconnected. So a lot of that, um, that you know, anti-woke stuff that I was preaching or whatevering way back in 2020 that was I was not connected to spirit my ego was running the show there now I was seeking the truth ultimately but oftentimes when we seek the truth our ego kind of latches onto it and and then takes us on a, a, a tangent and we don't sometimes it takes years to wake up from that sort of shit so I think I'm just going to cut this episode. Uh, I'm going to stop this episode here. Thanks again for listening. Keep an eye out. If you want to go ahead and listen, um, I believe it's on Apple Podcasts now. You can Google uh, Ma uh, the Course in Miracles podcast, and you'll see the little podcast art, and you can listen to Lesson 1, but that will be released, I, again, as I said, um, for each day of 2023. There will be an episode to listen to, walking you through the lessons of the course, and hopefully helping you to make, or those who listen, to make sense out of it, because it can seem very, very daunting. I kind of explain it all in the beginning, too. There's the course, and there's the textbook, and you know, they're kind of separated out within one book. But according to David Hawkins, you only really need to focus on the 365 daily lessons. So follow along the best you can with that if you'd like. And then uh, I will keep you posted, posted on the annotated narration or the, nar the annotated reading of my book, which should be out, I want to say, at the latest, at the absolute latest early spring. We're getting very, very close. Um, we are in the final, final, final late stages of editing. Write a book and see how that goes. <laughs> Try to write a book. It is not easy. Anyway, 
Um, thanks again for listening. I'll talk to you next time on Magic Pisces Podcast. Bye-bye. God song. One, two, three, four. Before the ayahuasca.